church. I get the privilege of co-leading with my beautiful wife, who's around here somewhere, with our uh, little adopted son, Benjamin Ezra Temple. He is in the house today. Yeah. So he's, he's scurrying about somewhere. We're still a little bit leery about letting people get close and touch him and pinch his cheeks. He's only like seven weeks old. So, um, but he's here. If you get a chance to see him, go, go love on him a little bit from a distance, I guess. Uh, anyways, um, some things, just some disclosures about myself. Listen, I yell a lot. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. If you're new here and I yell, I'm not mad. I'm just happy. I get excited about the word. And sometimes that comes through in volume. Um, and then secondly, I sweat a lot. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little too much information uh, for Easter Sunday, but we're rolling with it. I just don't want to scare you. I uh, just thought I'd put those right there for you. Um, we started a, a new series called um, Undeserving about three Sundays ago. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this series because we are getting into the details of God's grace uh, via his word. And, and, and how many know there is no other story on planet Earth than the story of God's grace? Come on, can I get us? Anybody uh, bear, yeah, you, that, that resonate in your heart? Well, um, today uh, we get to talk about the cross, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Um, now, it would be a foolish thing to assume that uh, everyone here attending our service today are professing believers. I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but that's just an assumption I'm not going to make. Um, And and given that assumption or having that assumption in mind, uh, you might be thinking, what is the resurrection, right? You you know, I don't don't know about you, but I was largely unchurched in my teens and 20s. and, And I would come into certain contexts like this and be like, what are those people talking about, right? And even if you have some kind of touch point, right, if you've been to mass or a service here or there because your mom dragged you or a good friend invited you, there still might be some uncertainty about what exactly is this thing? I mean, everybody's talking about it. We're singing about it. I mean, can we get some details here? And you've come to a good place to get those details. Um, And that's a very good question. Again, not to put anybody on the spot. It's a good question to ask, and it's equally a good question to understand. Uh, there's millions of different voices out there today trying to define and explain just exactly what this thing we're calling the resurrection is. And so um, we're going to get into the details. We're going to dive a little bit into the text. In a very brief time, we have a lot of ground to cover. We want to get waffles. Uh, we want to get the kids doing the egg hunt. So we're going we're gonna to kind of move at a fast pace here with the word. But... The resurrection is simply the claim that the Bible makes about Jesus, the central figure, who rose again after three days of being dead. (laughs) Now that's a bold claim, you know? That's not something you hear about every day, right? We often today, and we should, think of death as final. It's definite, right? I mean, there's nothing more sure other than taxes in America uh, than death. But this particular claim is backed by cooperative evidence uh, put together by eyewitnesses, which makes it more than just a claim, right? If, If you're familiar with the Gospels, you'll know that the author said that Jesus appeared to several of his disciples after his death, right? 
and, and forgive me if you're not um, you know, aware of those texts, but all you have to do is read all of the gospel authors and you will find that that is in there. Um, just under 500 people actually are eyewitnesses to the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. That's pretty remarkable. I don't know many stories that have that many eyewitnesses, you know, involved. That's pretty, pretty telling. So we could go on. I think there's actually like 12 to 13 um, historical facts and evidence surrounding the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. I just want to rattle off a couple of them if I could. There, there, as I mentioned, there's four authors who all wrote biographies of Jesus's life uh, that include his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Then there's the historical evidence that the grave was in fact empty, the stone was indeed rolled away, and the body of Jesus was never found. Then there's the fact that the resurrection wasn't some kind of random event, right? Jesus told his disciples many times on this occasion that he would die and rise again throughout the Gospels, throughout his teachings. And then, of course, you have centuries of prophecy leading up to this monumental event that a Messiah would come and die and rise on the third day as well. So you have all of these things working together that point to not just a claim, but evidence, historical evidence surrounding this thing that we call the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a whole lot of evidence, if you ask me, that substantiates. And we're missing about 12 to 13 other key parts. Uh, but that's a lot that I wouldn't want to refute right there uh, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, beyond just being skeptical that a man could live again, right? Um, there's this recent kind of new trend that's kind of pervasive in America that, um, that kind of teaches to view uh, Jesus's resurrection and ascension as, as more of like uh, 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 understanding as more of like a symbol or a metaphor. I recently came across an article that described this interesting new belief uh, held by various Christians, Christians regarding the resurrection. This article highlights how vast, a vast, excuse me, majority of church folks are leaving the traditional understanding of the re resurrection. And, 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 and they believe that the accounts of the resurrection should be understood uh, as a story of symbols and metaphor. This is crazy. And, and maybe some of us, you know, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but maybe there's some out in the crowd that that's the exact way that you view uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's gaining popularity in the West. It's really popular in Europe. About 40, listen to this, 42% of Christians today in Britain believe this about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if this is true, man, we, we shouldn't be here singing these songs, preaching this message. And of course, I in no way believe that this is true. But if it is, what do we do with other texts surrounding the resurrection? For example, 1 Corinthians 15, which clearly says that if Christ had not been resurrected, then our faith is useless. It's a sham. Let's read that text, 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 17. It says this, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either, period. <laughs> and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless, 
And we apostles would be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still, this is the gut punch right here. You are still guilty of your sins. Man, how many are just, are just eternally grateful that that is not true? <laughs> you know, that my sins, your sins, they can no longer be held against us. Why? Because Jesus has been raised. The word raised here in 1 Corinthians 15 is used in the literal sense, not a metaphorical one. The resurrection story isn't to be understood as a story of symbol and metaphor, rather a story of salvation. I got one hand clap on that. That was actually, let, let me just, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to clap. I'm not that insecure. But it is, it, it's a story of how God saved the world from our sin and death. It's a story of God's awesome power and wondrous love. And either we believe Christ rose from the dead and ascended, or we don't. The Bible's clear. If we reject his victory over the grave, we deny ourselves a place in eternity. Let me say that again. If we reject Jesus' victory over the grave, it's our choice. Nobody's going to, today there's not going to be an angel that kind of twists your arm to believe this truth. It is your choice. But be clear. I want to be clear on this point because the Bible is clear. It's crystal clear. If we reject this part of faith, then we reject all faith together. And we are in grave, grave danger of living eternally separated from God. So if you're an American here today, you are probably wondering, well, what are the benefits of resurrection, right? Because we're, as Americans, we're always thinking, what do I get out of it, right? Well, that's a good question. Now that might come across selfish, but it's a good question. And luckily, I believe that all things God has given us through Christ Jesus benefit us in one way or the other. And truly, truly, this is significant in terms of its benefits, the resurrection. So how do we uh, benefit from the resurrection? Well, first and foremost, like number one, L number one oh. I don't know if that's even a way of putting that. I'm trying to be funny. That just fell to the ground. The resurrection ensures that Jesus is who he says he is, right? Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? It validates that he is the Messiah. He is the one that we talked about last week who has come in the name of the Lord, taking the, way, the sins away from the world. And if he says, and I'm sorry, if he is who he says he is, then he'll do what he says he can do. Again, like take the sins of the world. That's a pretty big ass. It's a pretty big feat. Have you looked at the world lately? <laughs> and then, of course, our resurrection is guaranteed as well. You see, Jesus' triumph was over sin and death. His victory over death ensures us of our being raised to new life in this world and everlasting life in the world to come. Let me say that again. His victory, Christ, the thing that we're celebrating. Matter of fact, the thing we should celebrate every Sunday. Can I just put that disclosure in there? I don't know why we treat just one Sunday of the year as like something special. 
You know, I, I love it that we're all together. I'm, again, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but Sunday after Sunday, we should come together as a body celebrating this very truth right here. Let me read that again. His victory over death ensures us of our being raised to new life in this world and everlasting life in the world to come. Friends, that is good news. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 18 as we bring this thing to a close. Here's Paul the apostle again saying, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. I'm reading out of the NLT, New Living Translation. Um, there might be a word in there in verse 14, uh, replacing old life with sin, our sins. We go on. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating ours, others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Yeah, you can, you can attach your amen to that. If you fall into this category, that's great news. I don't know, but if you saw my old life, man, good Lord, things are looking much better now than they were then. <laughs> this means, again, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone. <laughs> and a new life has begun. And all this, all this is done by human effort. What? Of course not. Of course not. It's what? A gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task to rec reconcile people to him. Free gift. This undeserving grace. That, 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 that we're not just sitting in our seats today, breathing air about a promise to come, although that's great. We are experiencing, if you are a professing believer, new life. <laughs> new life where old things, old ways, old sins are being stripped away, falling off. You're being delivered and healed from. And a new life emerges. In the likeness of Jesus Christ. I don't know. That gets me excited. Essentially, Paul says, if you believe that Christ died for all, then you should also believe that all who are in Christ have died to their sinful lives. Now, you're going to have to rewind the tape on that statement. But if you get what I just said into your heart and into your head, man, look out. The sky is the limit. If we are to consider Christ, as the one who died for our sins, then we are to consider ourselves dead to sin. This is what Paul says in verses 14. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our own life. The two are kind of connected, if you would. You can't have one without the other. 
If you're not experiencing that new life, then you need to go back to that confession of faith and, 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 and ask the Lord, was I sincere? Was it genuine? Because, friends, from what Paul's saying here, the outcome of truly surrendering your life to Jesus Christ is that you will receive new life from Jesus Christ. Anyone who belongs to Christ, this is Paul's words, not mine, becomes a new creation. Let's remove the mystery, and we'll, we'll bring this to a close. I know I said that twice already, but I promise this time we'll bring it in. Let's remove some of the mystery here. You're probably like, what are you talking about, man? What do, you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean, right? I have high blood pressure, okay? Okay, just work with me, okay? And I, I'm gonna use myself as the example, okay? I'm not ashamed. I went to the doc. The doc told me, son, you better change some things up. Okay, doc, this means I can no longer go to McDonald's to get a quarter pounder. I gotta pick up a salad from time to time, right? Can, can I get a couple amens out there on my high press, blood pressure people? Come on. I'm gonna hit, I have to hit the gym. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get on the treadmill. I, I, I'm gonna have to lift some weights from time to time. And if you know me, man, you know that stuff is not easy. It doesn't come natural. But I'm gonna have to. This is similar to what it means to die to your old life. I, I have to lay down something you know, I have to put something to death that I so love, that quarter pounder. I, I'm, I don't even really like quarter pounders, but heck, I will stop by McDonald's and get me some fries. Anybody with me? You just will get the largest thing of fries and just, you know, drive your just pump those flies down, fries down your mouth, you know. But it's similar. My sinful fallen me gets a makeover. It starts by my belief that Christ had died for my sins. That's where it starts. That's where it's conceived. And with that understanding in mind, my response is to put my old life to death as well. That old nature, that sinful, corrupt person, I, I want to kill him, put him to death, and receive God's free gift of new life in Christ Jesus, which impacts me to where I no longer want to live for myself or be a slave to that old life. I want to live for Christ. I, I want to walk in new life, and, and, and friend, in a nutshell, that's what Paul's talking about here in the text that we just read. I'll compare it to what we see in the world of addiction. When people get clean or, or sober or off of drugs, you ever hear them, they're like, I'm a totally different person now. Of course you are, you stopped drinking. <laughs> that's what I said to my dad after 20 years of drinking. I'm a totally different person. Yeah, you laid down the booze. Good job. I'm not the same person now that I've, I've stopped drinking and using drugs. This is kind of similar to what uh, this exchange, this transformational thing that takes place in our lives as believers. We, we no longer, see, if you rewind the clock and you look at the Daryl that existed 20-something years ago, man, it looks nothing like that. And I'm not talking about physically. I've always looked this good, okay, friends? So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got my wife fooled. That's all I need. That's all I need. She, she's convinced that I'm a stud, and that's all I need, right? I don't even know where I was going. I started thinking about my wife and totally got sidetracked. 
But man, if you, if you look back, I, I say this often, but since we have a whole new handful of people here, man, I, I run into friends on social media all the time who are like, Daryl, you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah, crazy, isn't it? You know, uh, they're, they're like, I can't believe you. Like, you were the one we, like, we would party with, drink with, and just get crazy with. I'm like, yeah. And now I'm this boring, stay-at-home dad, Jesus-loving, God-fearing man. I, I can't believe it myself. But it's astonishing when we throw ourselves into the grace of God, what he's able to do with broken lives like myself. Become a di- totally different person, when we put our trust in Jesus and surrender our lives to him as Lord, we begin a glorious process of both salvation and transformation. Friends, my my hope today is that somehow by God's power, he places a hook or kind of, you know, throws a rope or a life net to you and draws you into the story of his grace today. The story that, no, listen, you're never gonna add up. You're never gonna match up to God on your own. You're, you're, you're gonna have certain besetting things. You're gonna, you're gonna fail from time to time. Oh, but by the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. And maybe there's some people here today where you're like, man, I would like to, to know a little bit more about the saving grace. Then at the end of this talk, we're gonna have an opportunity for you to respond. And then of course, if there are others in the crowd of which may exist as well, you're like, Daryl, I, I, I said the sinner's prayer, but I don't know this transformational stuff that you're talking about. I, I just, I'm still bound in addiction, you know, whatever it might be. And you're like, man, I just, I, I, I don't see this part in my life. I don't, I don't see this coming uh, to the forefront in my life. I'm still, after years and years, the same person that I was when I said that sinner's prayer. Man, I, I want to give another opportunity for you to pray that prayer again with me. And, and, and this time, maybe uh, genuinely and somewhat sincerely pray that prayer Why? Because God is not a liar, friend. The moment you sincerely open up your mouth and and confess the sinner's prayer and invite Jesus into your heart, mark my words as a living testimony. God's son will come and transform your very life. No, you may not get that job. You may not get that raise like we sometimes talk about in charismatic churches. You may not get that wife or that whatever, but you will get a new life in Christ Jesus. Old things will pass away and new things will come. Why don't we get the piano and with every head bowed and please, I I know there's a lot of like, oh, why are you making us bow our heads? We want to see who raises their hand. I just want to be respectful of those who are maybe here wanting to make a decision and I don't want them to be aware of who's watching. So what we're going to do is we're just going to give an opportunity to 
respond to the transformational power that's in Jesus Christ. And we're going to get an opportunity as well to, if there's anybody here that wants to pray that prayer of faith, that you want to put your faith in Christ, you're like, man, I like what you're saying. I want to try this out. I want to give Jesus a go. Man, I can just tell you from experience, Jesus is the best decision I've ever made in my life apart from marrying my wife. He, he is truly who he says he is. The resurrected one who is able to give you and I new life and to save our souls from eternal punishment. We may not like that word in the West, punishment, but friends, the Bible doesn't care about what we like. It's not trying to mince words and trying to code over so that we feel more coddled and protected. The truth of the matter is salvation, salvation is needed. And, and, and apart from salvation, apart from going through the door of the life of Christ, there is no other road. There is no other path that leads to eternal life, but yet through Christ. And this is the door in which we are, are at today, at this very moment, man. If there's anybody here with any, with every, excuse me, eyes, eye closed and head bowed, if there is anybody here who has yet to put their faith in Jesus and make Christ, the Lord of their life. I want to give you an opportunity to make the best decision you will ever make. Raise your hand. Every eye is closed except for mine, just so I can account. Anybody, you want to put your faith, I see your hand, you can put it down. I'm not going to work this up. There's no need to. I am offering the best thing that, that has ever been offered humanity. I don't have to try to sell it. If there is anybody else who wants to put their faith in Christ Jesus, just stick your hand up to the sky. We want to acknowledge you and then pray for you after this service. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. Yep, you can put your hands down. I see you here, yes. One more chance. If you want to receive the gift of eternal life, that is in Christ Jesus. Put your hand to the sky. I see you, brother. I see you, brother. I see you. You can put your hands down. I see you. I see you. If you've already responded, you don't need to respond again. I've seen you. I see you. Yes, I see you in the back. Now, after this service, we're going to have a couple of our core team. For those, if you feel so brave as you are right now sitting in your seats and you want to come and you want to hear a little bit more about the story of God's saving grace. We will be here and we want to have a continued conversation with you. And we want to pray for you. And here's my second call today. If you're here today and you're like, brother, I hear you. I've, I've said the sinner's prayer. I feel like I've made that choice to follow Jesus. But man, I have not experienced that transformational power that, that, that takes a person and changes them into a new creation. If that is you, if you have yet to experience that power that is available from Christ, put your hands up. 
You should say, I, I see you, brother. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? I see you, brother, in the back. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You have yet to see the transformational power of Jesus Christ, even though you have prayed the sinner's prayer. Raise your hand, one last call. Father, I thank you for all those who have responded. God, I, I thank you that even this morning you just, you casted a net, Jesus. Father, you're rescuing people. God, we give you thanks. And Lord, I, I just pray for those who may feel like they want to make that decision, but they just can't bring themselves to. Father, let your grace hunt them down, hunt them, go after them, chase them, God, by your loving kindness and your patience. And draw them, bring them into your kingdom, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to invite Amy Eifler up. And then again, some members from our core team are going to be here, including me. There's about 12 of you to 13 of you who responded. I want to encourage you, come up, see us afterwards. We'd like to talk to you about the decision you made. We'd like to pray for you and consider and continue, excuse me, this dialogue. All right. So um, core team two, make note, if you're not helping out with one of the after things, please um, help out Daryl up here. But again, a couple, a couple ways um, that we're going to go about our activities. Again, if you're not responding to what Pastor Daryl said, 